When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Mike, co-host of Realistic Sustainability, the podcast, which you probably already know, but I'm also the author of A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life. That was the book that led to our Facebook page, our Facebook group, and, well, even this show. It offers tips on promoting your positive footprint while decreasing your carbon footprint. So, if you want to read what started all of this, get A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life, available on Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or just visit greeningyourlife.org for more information. Thank you for joining the sustainable movement and promoting a greener future. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and of course, I am here with Nick. Me? You mean me? You're here with me? I am here with you. And I, you know, I got to tell you, it's not as fun unless you're here. I agree. It's nothing's as fun unless I'm there. <laughs> so today I was outside. The weather is starting to get nice and it works really good with what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about bees. That is my favorite insect. Like not only am I prepping for gardens, I'm trimming things around the yard, getting ready, but I'm even finishing the PowerPoint so that I can go to the city and present edible gardens to them. So like it feels like this whole day is based on vegetables and how you get vegetables which is the bees okay there's nothing wrong with that and also i do want to point out that because you brought up your edible landscaping thing i have a couple um ideas or at least one that's popping in my head that i want to get to later so remind me to bring it back up absolutely i will take as many ideas as we got so, as a matter of fact if you're listening to this and you have ideas yes we're going to be posting a lot of it on on the facebook the website and talking about it on the show but if you've got ideas, let us know. It's been fantastic this week. We've gotten lots of feedback. I have to stop saying everything like we are only talking about the United States. We're getting feedback from the UK. We're getting feedback from South Africa, Canada. You know, a lot of, a lot, surprisingly, a lot of countries are listening and they're sending messages. That's fantastic. I don't, I don't think it's surprising. The part that I find surprising or shocking is how soon it is. Normally, you'd expect that a couple of years down the road, but we're still in our infancy. This is awesome. Well, we, we appreciate everybody listening, no matter where you're from. And so I have to be more mindful when we're talking. We can't just talk about us here in the U.S. because it sounds like a good chunk of the listenership isn't living in the U.S. Well, I mean, we do have friends over the pond, so we appreciate them paying attention. Absolutely. So bees. Why would we why would we, we be talking about bees? Okay, I would like to start that by saying nice way to use the word bee three times in one sentence. <laughs> but uh, I will also say that bees are very, very, very near and dear to the heart of nature and also something that we really can't have a sustainable planet that does what we need it to do without. I didn't know a lot about bees. I knew I wanted bees. I know that it's easier for me to grow my vegetables because my neighbor has had a f massive flower garden for years. Absolutely. So we, so we already have the bees. There was very little I knew about bees and all the different kinds of bees. 
there's a lot of kinds of bees. Yeah, there there are tons of them. And I want to specify right now that we're talking about bees. I am not talking about wasps or hornets because they are not the same thing. Bees are bees and they are invaluable to pollinating plants and helping, you know, the the growth of fruit and trees and delicious vegetables. Well, did you know there's like 20,000 species of bees? Because in my head, there was bumblebees and honeybees. Well, ironically enough, those are the two best kinds. But uh, um, no, that seems like a giant number, and I did not know there were that many. Well, before we go too far, and I got to tell you a story. So as you know, Jameson loves to plant sunflowers. Every year she plants sunflowers at her at her home before he, this home. She planted a bunch of them all the way around the deck. It was like her privacy fence. And that is where I learned how much, how cool a bumblebee can be. Because bumblebees will fall asleep in a sunflower. I'm going to say fall asleep because they weren't reacting to me. I'm My face is three inches from them as I'm watching because they, they're covered in pollen. They're in this huge flower. It was just a cool thing. And I don't know what was wrong with me or why my brain thought this was a great idea. He's so fuzzy. I just started to pet the bumblebee. And I still talk about to this day, Jamie picks on me. How cool is it when I was able to pet a bumblebee in a flower? That is something that not a lot of people have probably experienced. And a lot of people wouldn't even know that's possible. But first and foremost, bees aren't overly aggressive. I mean, if you threaten their hive, they will be. But in that moment, that bee was just getting a meal. He was getting as much of that as he could get. And he was, you know, helping the pollination process while he was doing it. So he was probably just like in fat kid heaven while you're giving him a little tickle. (laughs) Well, and it's funny because I step back for a minute and play the science side. I probably removed some of the food he's been collecting in his fur or hair. And so he ended up with less after I pet pet him on the back a little bit because they take the pollen and just kind of pack it onto him. So when they fly back, it's co- it's covering them. It gets held into their fur slash. I'm not even sure what to call it, the hair. So I probably pet some of it off while I was all giddy and excited. And I didn't do it very long because I know what happens when you make a bee mad. But it was really a cool moment. It makes me want to try to pet every bumblebee I see, which I know is going to get me in trouble one day. Yeah, that's probably not a very good idea. I don't know much about bumblebees. I know I think they're some of the coolest looking things I've ever seen, but I don't really know a whole lot about them. Well, there's 20,000 species plus of different kinds of bees, but most of them are not social. When I, I think don't... of when I think of bees, I think of honeybees. I think of hives. I think of collectives. Most of them live in a hole in the ground. Individuals. They don't they don't work together. They don't play together. They're just a bee. They live in the ground. And they still pollinate, but they're not social. And I didn't know that. I I didn't know that either. I think it's, um. well, I, I guess I got to get some of my ignorance out on Front Street. When you say a bee, the first thing I think of is is a social, like a colonial insect that, that has a queen and has a hive and has workers. And, and there's specific types of bees who do certain jobs. And that's like, that's my instant thought. When you say bee, I think honeybee, because mm-hmm. that's the one that I think is, you know, that's one of the. I think is the most common concept behind it. And when you say in the ground, all I think of are wasps and hornets. <laughs> well, and I think both wasps and hornets have hives. But no, the vast majority of bees have not developed to be social. Most of them live in holes in the ground. And they're individuals who go out and 
pollinate and collect that pollen themselves and and live their solitary life. I did the same thing. I'm watching and reading and, and researching on this, thinking every bee was the same as a honeybee, and they're not, not even remotely close. I did find out, I knew that they pollinate a lot of food for us, but a third of the food that we eat exists because of those 20,000 species of bees. Well, yeah, because, uh, okay, so this is where and some uh, my my ignorance kind of tiptoes with my knowledge. To my estimation, at least to my understanding, bees generally land on flowers and drink the nectar out of the center of the flower, and then the pollen gets stuck to their fur. And when they fly to the next one, it comes off the fur and it mixes, and that's how the pollination happens. Like honeybees take that, they fill up on nectar, they go back to their hive, they insert it into the honeycombs that are um, in the hive itself. And then they're special bees, all they do is fan it and cool it and condense it and turn it into honey. But as for the rest of them, I don't have a clue. <laughs> and that's really, as a, and, I, and I did not take the time to learn about a bunch of different bees. Are you really uh, sure that a bunch of different covers 20,000? Well, yeah, a lot, a lot of burnt bees. So, I mean, they're very, there's a lot of very cool looking bees. There's some that are pearlescent. There's, you know, all different shapes and sizes. They're fantastic. Now, most bees lifespans are short. We're talking six to eight weeks, especially honeybees. Yeah. They live a very short period of time. And the, and I didn't know that a single honeybee produces about a twelfth of a teaspoon of honey in its, in its whole existence, in its life. Well, that makes sense because that's really just kind of a season, right? So you would think that if they only live six to eight weeks, so they, they essentially, they wake up, hey, I'm a bee. Hey, it's nice outside. They go and they spend the season doing their job, collecting nectar, taking it back to the hive, and then when it gets cold, they die. And that... Well, and I think this, uh, well, no, that's, I mean, six to eight weeks, is it's two months. Another thing is, is that, uh, and this was a honeybee fact, was that they visit between 50 and 100 flowers per trip. What? One bee? One bee can visit up to between 50 and 100 flowers while it's out. That's insane. That's good. That's good gas mileage. And a one hive for a honeybee hive mm -hmm. can produce between 60 and 100 pounds of honey per year. Um. I, I knew that. I have a couple of friends that have hives and they, they make, the, I, I say make their own honey. They they hijack their bees for the honey. <laughs> but I think that might depend on, you know, I mean, obviously there's got to be environmental things that, you know, that change that variables to it. The amount of flowers, the amount of distance they have to fly for everything, the amount of times they get robbed. So I'm sure there are things that change that, but that is amazing. Well, and there was a lot of things that I, when I was, the more I read, the more I realized I didn't know. And that is, first of all, honeybees are not on the endangered list. Honeybees are, there's a lot of honeybees right now. Honeybees actually, over the last three years, hives have grown. Now, yes, it did decline quite heavily in the mid-2000s, but in the last three years, counts are up. But it's because we're, we're, we're talking about the wrong bees. Honeybees are extremely important. But what's important is bees in general. And mm -hmm. die-offs started in the United States. This is where the first large-scale die-offs on bees happened. And it happened after World War II. So that would be pesticides and chemicals. Right. After World War II, the same chemist in Germany who created all kinds of very bad things came back to the... Uh, his formulas came back to the United States. He did not. And we used them for different purposes. 
We would change them here, change them there. Next thing you know, it's a chemical fertilizer. Next thing you know, it's a pesticide. And that is when we started using synthetic fertilizers. We've stopped using crop cover. You know, they used to just have clover in a field. Mm -hmm. And then when it was time, they would till it up and they they would plant. And then at the end of the season, they'd plant clover again, which is an extremely high nutrient for bees. We don't do that anymore. We're actually pulling so much nutrient out of the ground and putting nothing really back because everything we're putting back is synthetic. And on a side note, I recently watched something on, on Netflix about regenerative farming. And oh, yeah. the, the UN, uh, based on the amount of nutrients being pulled out of the soil right now, we have about 60 harvests left. Well, that's why they used to rotate crops, right? They'd get two or three years or maybe four years out of a certain crop. Then they'd plant something like beans or something in it, whatever would replenish what the last crop took out. Like when I rotate my beds, it's because if I run tomatoes three or four years in the same bed, it takes different nutrients for a tomato to grow with a different pH for the soil than it does green beans. So what I do is I'll swap them. So when those green when those green beans die the following year, they go into the ground and add some nutrient back to that soil. Then I can shift in the tomatoes. That's so what I just said. It, it's... <laughs> It, it is uh, take different nutrients from the soil themselves. So large scale agriculture is is just tilling up the ground, which lets a lot, a lot of the carbon out. So you don't end up with a dark, rich soil very often and then spraying mm -hmm. the heck out of it with these synthetic fertilizers to get a growth. But anyways, a lot of that was starting after World War Two. What that does for bees is it creates this like it's like a food desert to them. You know, if we clear everything out and put corn there's no place for a bee to go. That's true. I mean, so for acre after eight hundreds and hundreds of acres, there is no place. But it's most of those other 20,000 different species of bees that are disappearing. Right now, honeybees are kind of balanced, mainly, I believe, because we're all focused on it. Everybody's focused on honeybees. But almost 95% of bumblebees are disapp have, have disappeared. So really? My, my favorite bee of bees, the big old bumblebee, which... In some plants, it has certain skills, like tomato plants, for an example, a bumblebee is very important. The pollen's hard to get out. And a bumblebee is one of the few bees that can hang on and vibrate hard enough to get the pollen out. Well, they're pretty strong. Those are little air tanks, man. They're beastie. Right. So it is, you know, pretty important that they exist, considering people like tomatoes. Now, we, we can self-pollinate. And I found out that in farms down in Mexico, they're quite literally using a tool that looks like a vibrator. Oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> to pollinate manually. But people have been worried about the wrong bees, really. Uh, yes, we need honeybees. Honeybees are extremely important. Please do not take our eye off that one. But all bees are important because they're all pollinators. The the bumblebee is, is near and dear to my heart, but the other 20,000 species are also very, very important. About 50% of all the other uh, species of bees have died off in the last 50 years. You say 50%? 50%. And again, wow. bumblebees have seen a 96% decline in the last 20 years. That's insane. So uh, did, is there any information as to how many rough estimates, how many are left? Well, no. And I, everything I have is percentage. So my joke will be 4%. But it, it's not okay. a, it's not a lot. And it's not enough. It's very important for 
all of us to understand that all bees are important. Tell you, when I see a honeybee, I treat, I, here comes a red carpet. Like <laughs> it's sitting in the garden and I just, he gets the, the run of the roost, that bee, because I, I will protect it until it moves on because I'm thinking, man, you are endangered. I need to keep you alive. You are my friend. And it really needs to be all pollinators and all bees. Well, while I do agree with that, I've never really, well, A, other than honeybees and bumblebees, I don't know if I could even spot another species of bee if I seen it. I've had a lot of run-ins with the more aggressive things, hornets, wasps, that stuff. But a bee, those are the only two I've ever really known. I still, I'm going to have to do a lot of research when we get off this thing. Well, it's funny. Like I said, every, almost everything I thought I knew about bees was pretty much wrong. Uh, it was all pretty much bumblebees and or honeybees. So it was a, it's interesting to do the research because there is a bunch of different bees and every one of them help us. What we're finding is, is the way we handle agriculture is harming them dramatically. There was a, a research assignment done. What they were doing were trying to get some of the pollen from every bee that came back or as many bees as they could from a hive that was near a monoculture egg where they were growing soybeans, for an example. Mm -hmm. Which, and you know the bees aren't going to the soybeans. They're, they're all around. Every single sample of the pollen that they pulled from those bees had traces of pesticides. I don't doubt that at all. Because the bees are walking all over the plants. And if the pesticides are covering the plants, they're going to be tracking it on them. Which they're going to process into their food back at the hive mm -hmm. and feed it to the rest of the, the hive. Which could cause a slow, you know, decline in their numbers just from doing that. I'm sure, and maybe I'm ignorant for thinking this, but I'm sure like most species of living creature, bees are not all going to be made the same. If you have a hive of like a thousand bees, I'm sure there's going to be a certain percentage of that hive that doesn't have the wherewithal or the ability to, to fight off that kind of stuff. And they probably just would succumb and die. Well, and bees have their own their own problems, their own diseases. They have their own viruses. There's a tick that like a parasite that gets on the back of their head and will latch on and feed from them and also transfer them diseases. They have their own problems with us without us adding to them. But they've also had a, a fantastic immune system for millions of years, but it isn't prepared for synthetics. Well, no, because what what it's getting from humans isn't isn't a disease. It's not a a virus or a bacteria in most cases. So there's nothing for the bee to fight against. It's being poisoned. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the problems. One of the problems with with how 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 we're finding these die offs is that they are just flat out being poisoned it's from fertilizer, synthetic fertilizers, and from pesticides. The next is there is massive swaths of land bees can't be at. There's no food. Hundreds and hundreds to thousands of acres in, in the Midwest and the Plains that are just corn, soybeans. We're planting one crop and that one crop does not help those bees whatsoever. So you've got all these bees that fly different directions. And if they find the food, and this is cool. If they find, let's say, a new home or food or this or that. So these bees fly in different directions. They see what they see and then they come back. Well, they can't explain it like you or I would. They're not going to draw a picture or talk about it. They're going to do a little dance. I can see you already doing it. It's called a waggle. Yes. They do this a specific style of waggle. And, and the more intense their waggle is, the more it will convince others. And honeybees function on consensus. That's right. Do a little dance. Let's get a little lunch. 
let's fly tonight. That's what that is. It is. It again. I not, I knew none of this before we started this research, and I am just loving every second that they can go in there and they have like a debate. It's a wiggle debate. It is a dance off for the bees. It is. It's, it's so. I learned that in oh lord I was a I was a little little guy like back when Magic School Bus was on that was like the first episode I remember seeing as they talk about that and they t- you know Mrs. Frizzle turns the kids into bees and they waggle all over the episode and it's it's hilarious but it's true that's how they communicate because they don't talk it's not like they're telekinetic they they have a certain amount of, of movements and stuff and it, it it's it's not just for food it's for anything for danger for you know all different kinds of stuff they they waggle it out. And that is exclusive to honeybees. None of those other 20,000 species have that method. You mean Bumble doesn't have a waggle? He doesn't have a waggle. He, That's depressing. I can prove that he has a fall asleep if he's had too much eat, too much to eat. But uh, they, they do pass right out. <laughs> well, so do I, especially on holidays. So it's not just that we've planted large areas of useless crops to them. There's also the fact that if they go some areas, we've planted large areas of concrete. Yeah. We, so we use up all, this whole planet on things they can't eat and hard surfaces that's that's half of it but generally speaking whenever we find those concrete jungles you find people and if people are people people kill bees because bees are seen as a pest and that's unfortunate because not all bees are the same so i mentioned earlier about you know wasp and hornets because i'm not an avid fan of wasp or hornets because generally whether you're next to their nest or not, you get stung. They're incredibly aggressive. We always get these big blue ones at my house at least once a year. And if it's near you, it's going to get you. It's And because of that, people have those mentality, oh, God, get the bee spray. And if they can reach a can of raid, that little friend is going down. Which is yet again another chemical that we're throwing out there. So let's say you spray that hive and you've sprayed that whole area down and that hive falls. If a honeybee follows a week later and is just walking on that surface, that residue starts to collect on that honeybee also. Yeah, of course. We had a um, a ground nest a couple of years back, and I went and got this powder because it was just it was right in the center of our backyard, and I didn't really want to do what I did, but I had no other option. And there's no telling what other insects or animals went across that area that I, I took care of. There's no way to know. Right. So there's an and, and now we found another reason why bees, especially honeybees, do have it. They call it CCD. It's colony collapse disorder. It's when you go to look at your colony and like 30 percent of it's gone. Like so, just dead or gone? Just gone. Gone and, and assumed dead, if you will. But there is there's reasons for that, too. Disease causes things like that. So what happens is, for an example, right now in California, in order to grow almonds, honeybees are by far the best equipped. And almond pollen is is an extremely good nutrient for bees that we have to truck in. We in the United States have to truck in almost all of the bees, like 90% of the hives that are commercially rentable. Yes, you can rent honeybee hives all of them almost every available rentable honey beehive gets sent to california during almond season well if you have a disease in a hive and you put all the hives in one place then they all get the disease you you have a much higher transmission no different than 
if we're not wearing a mask and we sneeze on each other or, you know, same thing with coronavirus. That's the same deal that's happening with bees. They're all mingling. They're going to the same flowers They're because we need them all because we grow so many almonds in one season at a time that we quite literally need all the bees at that time. Then they have to leave because once the leaves fall off those and he starts to grow almonds, it is hundreds and hundreds of acres of no food for them. Mm-hmm. So they have to come back to the hives and then they get put on semis and shipped somewhere else. Meanwhile, whatever they've contracted during that period of time is now going to be a problem for that hive. It only takes one. That's so insane. Almost everything we do in agriculture is designed to kill the pollinators or at least severely dent them. Wow. It's not happiness. No. So let's not, we're not going to end on doom and gloom. That's for sure. So what I, I got a little perturbed last night and just started Googling, what are the things we can do to help bees? And they're all real obvious. <laughs> it's not a complicated process. Uh, don't use pesticides. Don't, don't poison them. Don't poison the ground. Don't poison the plants. Do not spray your vegetables. Find natural ways. I think Epsom salt can keep certain things away from plants. There's a, there's a, a million different ways to keep critters from eating your vegetables that don't include a chemical additive. That is by far the first one. We don't want to spray those plants so that they get over there, get touching it, and take it back to their hive. The next thing is plant veggies. Plant flowers that are friendly to bees. That You can Google it. There's a list, a long, long list of flowers you can plant that bees love. And Sweet. Plant your veggies as much as you can. And Because what you're trying to do is make it so that that bee who's trying to get from 50 to 100 different flowers in a day, a place so they can get to them all. Here in town, yep, they can hit my neighbor's house. She has got more than more than 50, probably more than 100 flowers. But if it's uptown, there's very few things bees can stop in and take a look at and, and pull pollen from. There's concrete. We have more parking than we have people in this town. So it's a lot of concrete that has nothing to do with pollination. So the goal is to put as many flowers and vegetables out as you can. I think when you guys are moving forward with your edible landscaping stuff, I really think you guys should invest a little money in signage about the bees and saying, please don't harm the bees. Please leave the bees alone. Because if you want edible landscaping to work, you're going to need bees to pollinate it. And you're also going to need people to not mess with the bees because they have to do their job. If people want food, they're going to have to let them do their job. Well, and that's the next thing on my list. Be a voice. Uh, go campaign to your city and your town or whoever to do an edible landscaping project. Put more flowers that are safe for bees and more food that is good for people out in more places. If you own a little shop on a strip mall area, go get a big pot, stick it out front and grow some peppers. Just give them a place to stop. Give them a place to get some food. America, at least, and I can't speak for some of the other countries, America doesn't have as many places to stop. They're running out of food sources. They're running out of places to go. That's, it's unfortunate because it doesn't have to be like that. There's a lot of things that can be done. That's really, it's really just another reason for me to put it in a garden and attempt not to kill plants this year. <laughs> well, I think that you should always put in a garden, especially since you're a chef. Yeah. Well, being a chef doesn't make me good at growing things. No, but it makes you be able to cook things delicious. And I would think you'd want the best ingredients because I've been told by this chef that is my brother, better food comes from better ingredients. You know, he sounds like a pretty smart guy. <laughs> Which is, again, the last thing. Eat 
eat as much local food as you can. If you have local farms that are growing stuff the right way, if they're if they have regenerative farming happening in your area, if if people are if you have a share garden, if you have a community garden, get 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 your vegetables from there. Because what you're doing is you're supporting the methods that also feed the bees. You're not just feeding you, you're feeding you and nature. Absolutely. So that's all I had this week. Did you have anything else unique to the bees or do you just want to do one more bee dance? I'm sorry. Um, waggle. I don't know. I think I'm a waggled out for the evening. But uh, <laughs> no, I just think that when it comes to bees, I would encourage everyone to, to, if they can, before they react, before they do something that, you know, probably is in the best interest of the their local environment, try to figure out what you're seeing on your property. If you see a bee, figure out if it's a bee, if it's a hornet, it's a wasp. Figure out if it's really a danger to you before you take the steps to remove it. And then if you choose it, it needs to be removed. Contact someone local. There are people that will come and remove beehives. They're Killing them is very seldom ever has to be the answer. I'm speaking about someone who's had to do it and did not want to do it and regrets it still. Yeah, we have Jamie has a close friend who apparently has the best honey in the world and makes wonderful things with that honey, but but has his own hives. And if we had a, a honey beehive somewhere near here that needed to be removed, he would be the one I call. So if, if you if you see honeybees and they have to be removed, do not do it with chemicals. Do not attack that hive. Trust me, there's plenty of places locally who will come and remove those hive. And it's so interesting because, again, during research, I was watching a TED talk and they videotaped it. They took a whole all the honeycombs out of this out of the house and moved them. So all the honeybees went with it, right? But they didn't get the queen. And a week later, the bees had swarmed back because they follow the queen. When they hired someone to remove the bees, the person pulled the rest of the honeycombs out and made sure they identified the queen. And as soon as they put the queen in the box, all the other bees followed. Yeah, there's a reason why that's... That's the so reason cool. why that's the queen. Yeah, that was a that was a very cool thing to watch. So there are methods to remove them without harming them. Please take the time to make sure you find out what they are or contact those who will do it for you. Absolutely. But, that, but that's all I have for this week. Also, so all of you across the world, thank you so much for listening. It's very cool to get the messages I have messages from London this week which was fantastic, and another one from South Africa. So it kind of makes my day. I greatly appreciate it. Now, if you're listening with iTunes, if you get an opportunity, leave us a review. Those are really, really helpful. We're starting to get a few of them in there, which means we'll start showing up on more and more search engines, and we can spread this sustainability a little bit further. But I really do appreciate it. Nick really appreciates it. It's super helpful. So that's all we have for this week. I'm Mike. And I'm Nick. And we'll see you next week. Feeling overwhelmed by climate change? Looking for sustainable and ethical brands to support? That ethic is perfect for you. Ethic is a simple browser extension that helps you find sustainable and ethical brands online. Learn more at ethic.org, E-T-H-Y-K.org.